Hey you, what's happening at work? What's keeping you up at night? What's causing you frustration or depleting your wellness at work? Talk to me and with me. This is Joyce Odinison, your host with the What's Happening at Work show, where we create solutions to work, live, and play well. Join me now for next episode. Hello, hello. What's happening at work? You know, today I want to focus on mental health at work because one of the things that we're starting to notice is that more people are becoming aware of mental health issues and how they play out at work, but still not enough. I think this should be heightened. It should be elevated. And uh, I think, you know, we just need to put a microphone and, and start telling everyone how very important this is. And I remember back in 2000 when we started to teach about mental health in the workplace and how it will impact you and your loved ones and your family and recognizing that all of us were susceptible to that. And then the World Health Organization came out with their prediction that by 2020, mental health will be the second highest cause of workplace disability globally. And this is not just something that affects uh, those of us in North America. It affects everyone because our mental health, just like we can stub our toes and we can, you know, bruise our elbows, we can fall, well, and hurt a part of our physical bodies, so can we with our mental health. And it's just, it's such a simple thing to recognize that that's a part of us, that it's unseen, but it is so vital. Everything you do in your life is dependent on your ability to function, right? Your mental health is that cognitive ability to function cognitively, to be able to make decisions that are going to impact your life and the life of your loved ones and those you lead at work and your your colleagues. And over the years, I have seen so many cases of employees struggling because a colleague or a leader or a peer was struggling with their own mental health. And this is something that we just cannot ignore anymore because it was predicted by WHO that 2020 would have been the year that it would be the highest cause of workplace disability would be mental health. And I remember looking at it 10 years ago and looking at the increase and how it was growing and it was becoming more and more, uh, you know, that case. And we we were seeing that there was seldom an, an employer, an organization that we could visit that didn't have someone off on stress leave, on uh, mental health break. And we started to recognize, and there are a number of reasons for that. One, it could be that people are starting to recognize how important it is to take care of their mental health and how fragile our mental health can be, right? It doesn't matter how big your muscles are, your mental health is important and you should be taking care to preserve it. We need to preserve our mental health. It is one of those things that we just need to take care of because once you lose it, when you when you hurt or impact your mental health, you can't see it to put a band-aid on it. It's not the kind of thing that 
you can just go and, you know, wipe it down with some, you know, a peroxide and put a bandaid on it or some polysporin. You can't do that with your mental health. It's a different process to revive and to reestablish your mental health when you've had a, what we used to call when I was growing up, a nervous breakdown. And we use that word. It was, it was coming to, oh, someone had a nervous breakdown and, you know, they're going to get well. And part of that wellness was that they were going to come, you know, come home to their, their birthplace with their family and have lots of love and attention and, and hugs and, and inclusion. And, and they would find their place again. They would start feeling secure in who they are and what they're about and what they're believing. And, um, and how they feel about themselves and they would get well and, and then be able to go back into their lives. But now we have drugs, right? That really important thing. We give people drugs and they get a prescription and you're expected to continue on with the same routine, the same volume of work, the same work stresses, the same relationship stresses, the same life stresses. And we see time and time again that it has to stop. We need to change things in our life so we can get the better results. You can't get different results when you're doing the same thing. So what do you need to change? How do you need to change it? When do you need to change it? And what does that look like? Very, very, very important. So take a look at, um, you know, this past week, was mental health week and all of the month of October is mental health improvement and awareness month. And so I want to really remind you of how important it is. I had an article uh, published on Thrive Global and really looking at five tips to boost your mental health this fall. And whether you're working or you're retired or you're not, this is going to be impactful for you. Good mental health is essential to a well-being and can have a great impact on how you think, how you deal with situations, how you behave with others or make decisions. It determines the quality of your life and the quality of your work and working relationships when you have good mental health. So over a decade ago, we started to recognize how uh, people were having challenges in the workplace. They were having challenges, interpersonal challenges, and we started to actually assess for mental health. Does this person have a mental health disease? Does this person have um, need support? Does this person need help to improve their mental health? Or is it interpersonal conflict or is it just bad behavior? So as an interpersonal wellness expert and conflict analyst, who gets called in to deal with negative dynamics or point of personal exchanges or communication breakdown or people not talking to each other or misunderstanding that's escalating. We started to add mental health assessment to the analysis that we were providing with the to the organization. So when we come in, we get called, you know, people are not getting along, there's tension, things, this toxic behavior and the workplace morale is low and all of those things, you know, low accountability, all the different things, poor leadership, complaints about leaders are not working. We get those. So we go in 
we've added mental health assessment to one of the pieces that we're going to assess for. And then we started to look at the individual employees to see, uh, is it point of personal skills? Is it poor communication skills? Or is it a mental health cognitive issue? Because we were seeing that people were not reasoning. They were not getting along. They were not cooperating and collaborating at the level that they should for a healthy organization or a healthy workplace to, to pursue. And so in doing this, we started to recognize that sometimes the belligerent behavior from the employee, from the leader, from the supervisor is a sign of mental health. The bullying and harassment complaint is related to mental health. And this is not an excuse to run around and, you know, pursue, um, bully, uh, harass others. It's genuinely looking at, yes, you've been harassed, you've been bullied. And, you know, those are, those are identified by the impact, right? Not the intention of the other person. So yes, those are indeed cases of harassment and bullying. However, we've assessed that this person may need to have a psychiatric assessment or psychologist or work with someone in the mental health field because their reasoning or interpersonal skills issues might have something to do with the way you're experiencing it. And what we look for especially is when there is a change, a huge change in a person's behavior. Someone used to get along well with others. Someone used to have good relations. Someone used to have great communication skills. And you start to see the deterioration of that. You start to see where that person is not being as reasonable. That person is is getting angry a lot more. That person is, is having less patience, less tolerance, and not interacting at the same level is frequently in conflict, frequently disappointed or or disapproving other people or or shouting or being angry. And so you start to see different behavior patterns, different changes. So if you're looking in your workplace and you're wondering, hmm, how do I know that someone in my workplace is actually not just being bad and mean, but actually suffering from a mental health crisis or, or disease. And those can, can come in many different forms, many different ways, and can show up in many, many different ways. So look at the behavior, look at the interaction, and then ask yourself, when did this change? So sometimes we see this come on because there's a big change in the workplace. There's a transition that's happened and the transition was more difficult for that person. So many, many of those uh, reasons we're seeing. What's important to note, though, is that no matter what or where or when it happens, it's catching it in time and ensuring that those folks have the right resources to support them to heal. Because we tend to think that people can't heal their mental capacity, but we can. Every part of our body can be healed as well as our mental health. We can heal. If you have a nervous breakdown or a mental lapse, you can heal. It can be healed. It doesn't have to reoccur and it doesn't have to be a lifelong diagnosis or something that you have to follow. You can heal because our cells are renewed every day. Why can't we? Uh, why, why not that part? So getting the right support, 
getting the right structure, getting into the right environment. Those are key elements to healing mentally. Mental healing is important as well as emotional healing, as well as physical healing, spiritual healing, all of those. But you don't just heal your mental faculties without taking care of all the whole person. In order for you to heal, as I indicated before, when people had nervous breakdown, they came back to their family of origin and everyone gathered around them. So they had spiritual support. They had social support. They had emotional support. They had occupational support. Either they left their job or they got time of work or what have you. Then they had intellectual support. They had environmental support. They had financial support. They didn't have to worry about how they're going to care for themselves. They had physical support. There was some element of that. And they had interpersonal support. So it's key to start recognizing that when there is a mental health breakdown, people cannot just get it back together, get it back together and start doing it and get back to get your act together. That doesn't work. Just like if you bruise your ankle, it's going to take a few weeks to heal. You probably can't wear a shoe on it. You probably can't put weight on that ankle. You can't, you know, this is the same when you have a sprain or you have a fracture. You, you put that leg up, you do. There's a lot of love and tenderness and you don't walk on it and all the things that needs to happen. You have to shift your environment to make it easier. The same needs to happen with mental health diseases and mental health issues at work. So if you have an employee that has had a mental health breakdown, what do you do as an employer? How do you deal with it? Yes, you're not diagnosed, but if that employee comes to you or you get a letter saying this person has, you know, has had to go on stress leave or had a mental health issue, how do you support them? Your job is to ask, what can we do at work? to support you better when you get back? How can we make, how can we reduce your stress at work? How can we create that safe, warm, collaborated, compassionate environment for you at work where some of that stress has been alleviated? You cannot go back into that environment and expect to thrive. You need changes. They need changes. So changes maybe to their duties, maybe to the timelines and timeframes. Some aspect of it needs to be modified to accommodate for the healing that needs to happen. And most of the times, this is not a permanent situation. This may be necessary for six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, and then the person gets healed. But we have One of our biggest problems in North America is that everything has to be fast, including healing. Well, healing, my friend, doesn't happen the same way. To heal, we need to take time. We need to rebuild. The cells need to be regrown and redeveloped. And the, the pathways have to be reconnected in a healthy way. And so we need that culmination of all the different elements to create wellness at work and mental health, right? Mental wellness and mental health. That needs to be redesigned in a supportive, compassionate environment. Because regardless of who you are, 
you're going to need help to get your mental faculty back. And if you're already suffering from mental health, then you need to start looking around. What kind of support do you need? Where do you need compassion and empathy and understanding? And how can those you work with better understand your circumstances and support you with the compassion, the empathy, and the, the you know that warmth that you need and generosity that you need to heal? And together, we can tackle and heal mental health. But when you're isolated, you're on your own. You don't have the support. You don't have the strategies. You don't have the compassion and empathy around you. Then you're left hanging. And what should have been a temporary illness can now become a permanent situation with ups and downs and the battles. People need that time to heal mentally. And that's so, so important to remember at work that it may take up to 24 months for that person to, I've seen situations where it's taken 36 months for them to heal, but heal they did and they were able to come back to work and assume a productive career and be supportive and be promoted into leadership roles and be successful. But we need to give the time for healing. This may mean some job modifications. That may mean some accommodations. And that is okay. If healing is the ultimate goal, isn't that okay? What is 36 months to compare to the rest of your life? We have to give ourselves the time to heal because that is in critically important for everything we do. Healing is something we need to do. I know when I was growing up, when someone was sick or when someone had a baby or when they got time. Everybody came and put many hands, did light work and did work for them and cleaned their house and cooked their food. So they had time to heal. And here we expect to just go out, get the procedure, get the pill and just go back to the same routine without giving ourselves the time to heal. And that's really the message here from this this message I want to sell for you today is the time to pause and to heal. So some of the things that I've, I've identified are some key areas where you can really boost your mental health this month is to look at your nutrition. Get that optimum nutrition. It is key. Eat the things that are going to make you healthy. Exercise daily. Now, if you don't have a treadmill at home, go for a walk. If you don't have a walk, run around the black yard in your yard. If you don't have the ability to do that, get a little mini trampoline or get or a bike or something. Just get your body moving, your circulation, so you can um, bring more oxygen to your brain. Get adequate sleep. A lot of times we cheat ourselves on sleep. We want to get this done and get that done and talk to this person and do that. And we're not getting the sleep we need. And that's so important. Number four, spiritual practice. Those who have spiritual practice are happier, healthier, more successful and have better mental health and resilience. So it's either that it helps you to deal with the stress, not to worry anymore, to have bigger faith. Um, Whatever it is, it really does help. And then, of course, there's the emotional cleanse. Cleanse out those toxic emotions. Get them out. Forgive people. Move past hurt. Don't dwell and ruminate on things that are not important or things that are painful. Cleanse your emotion, cleanse your emotion, cleanse your emotion because that is so important. And if you don't know how to select a mental health practitioner, then you need to call someone, tell them how you feel and get their help. 
or speak to a coach who's able, certified coach, who's able to help you to tap into and refer you on to getting a mental health um, support that you need or expert. Very, very key, very, very important. Uh, when you talk about mental health experts, we talk about psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists, people who trained to work with mental health. Sometimes some, some professions are just the bridge. They bridge the gap and help you to secure the right people. They may be able to recommend and help you to get the right people in your corner that will work with you and promote your mental healing because mental healing is a very, very important. So I want to encourage you today as you think of mental health, think of mental healing at work because that's key. Joyce Edison here. It was a pleasure being with you. Thanks for being here. And uh, let's talk in the next episode. You've been listening to What's Happening at Work. This is Joyce Edison, your host, and I want to thank you for being with us. Thank our guest and our sponsors, Interpersonal Wellness Services, Inc., the Global Workplace Wellness Summit, and of course, the Wellness Competency Mindset Movement. And if you want to hear from us, learn more or get more episodes, join us at interpersonalwellness.com, where we help you to work, live, and play well. Bye now, and we'll see you for another episode. And if you're looking for more episodes and you want to know more or get more help on mental health, join us at the Global Workplace Wellness Summit, November 12th, 10th to 13, 2020. And on November 11th, we are spending the entire day talking about mental health. We have mental health expert. We have Dr. Rabin, who's a psychiatrist. We have Dr. Jude Lynn, uh, Innocent. She's also a nurse practitioner and, uh, and really going to be helping us understand. And she's a mental health expert and all the other speakers that's going to help us to understand what are some things we can do to preserve and to heal our mental health. Take care and be well. Bye now.